Is your focus growing your brokerage company? Not just wishing it, hoping it. Is it truly in your DNA, in your passion to grow your brokerage company? If it's not, then stop listening, right? Doesn't matter. You may be at a time when your business is solid, you like your business, and you've got core services, and it's very profitable. Great, that's fine. But you first have to decide, I actually, as the number one priority for my company is to grow this brokerage company. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share trends, their secrets to success, and the lessons they learn navigating this ever-changing industry. Before we begin, here's a word from our sponsor. Building a business is a lot like building a house. It's important to have a strong foundation. If you're a real estate agent, that includes partnering with an independent mortgage broker, someone in your area who can shop multiple lenders and provide your buyers with faster closings, lower wholesale rates, and lower monthly payments. Find your local mortgage partner today at findamortgagebroker.com. Powered by United Wholesale Mortgage LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 3308. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, business growth, trends, and strategy. I'm your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends. Today, I'd like to welcome Steve Murray, founder of Real Trends and currently the senior advisor of HW Media. He recently looked at 731 of the largest brokerage firms in the country from the Real Trends 500 over the past 10 years and did a study on closed transaction sites, closed sales volume, growth in agents, and also growth in agent productivity. And it's really interesting to kind of compare all of the different um, firms who are part of this, and we do that on this podcast. So Steve will go into an analysis of this current study, which is available on HW Plus on Realtrends.com. And uh, I hope you enjoy all of the data. I think there's a lot to learn here about um, things that you can do to really grow your firm. Steve Murray, welcome to the Real Trending Podcast. Hey, Tracy. Good to see you again. Yeah, I think this is our our third podcast that we're doing um, related to some research that you've done for Real Trends. And this time we're talking about the 10-year real estate brokerage productivity study, um, secrets of successful high growth brokerages. So talk to me a little bit or give um, our audience a little background about what that study is, where you got your information and um, what you were looking at specifically. I've always been curious about performance of brokerage companies, looking uh, behind the uh, who's the biggest, uh, uh, and all those kind of factors to say who's who's actually performing, and so and we we've, we've done this the last time. It's unfortunate, but it's been it's been uh, almost ten years ago. The last time I looked at it, mm-hmm. um, but I decided to look at the data, and we've been collecting data on the top five hundred to two thousand brokerage companies going back twenty seven years now to 1995 when we first reached the Real Trends 500. Um, so we had our tech 
experts compile all the data for brokerage companies for whom we had data going back 10 years. There were 731 brokerage companies and we had their their transactions, their volume, their agent counts uh, going back for every one of those years. So uh, I, I had them organize that data and then I sliced it up to say, okay, who are these top? I had no idea who they were. You know, which is always the fun when you go look at it and go, I wonder who these top performing people are over a 10 year period of time or really, truly, roughly uh, the year that the real recovery started in housing sales, which was 2011. If you will, it included 2020, which was, of course, a huge boom year. But nonetheless, it was worthwhile a 10 year look. So. We looked at it and we looked to see, well, who are the top performers? What do they have in common or not in common? And that's what we did. Okay. And so I know you picked four categories. You studied growth in sales volume, growth in close transaction sides, growth in agent count, and then from that, the growth in agent productivity. Um, I noticed that only two brokerage firms made all four of the rankings lists. So let's talk about them and kind of your analysis about what you feel like led them to outperform their peers. Well, and really talking more generally, not just those two, but all of these, I mean, in each of the categories, we then listed, you know, the top 50 growth in agents, growth in sides, growth in volume, growth in agent productivity. I think the most interesting thing that that I had is the firm that was number one in all three of the growth categories, uh, sides, agents, volume, was also in the top, I think, 15 of all companies in growth and agent productivity. And it's, it's a big Keller Williams company based in Dallas, Fort Worth. And I know them, I've known of them. And, and some of it was through acquisition and some of it was through organic growth. It was kind of half of both. So here's a company. And, and I mean, they were far and away the largest in the agent transactions and volume growth. But the interesting thing is to have somebody that's a very large brokerage company who has grown that fast also was one of the top like 15 in the country in growth and agent productivity. So, you know, we, you and I know the principal there and we both talk to them and they just have this intense focus on growth and training and training and training and growth and training. You know, the, I've interviewed them. You've interviewed them. We look at their numbers. And then when I broadened it, and as you know, we'll talk about it in a bit, we, we went out and asked, uh, you know, every one of these companies, well, so how did you achieve this growth? I mean, top 50 in the whole industry in growth in, in either sides or agents or volume or productivity. And, you know, we kept getting the same answer back, which is, well, it's because we focus on it and we're intentional and we have the, the attention of the leadership, and we invest money in people to do it. And you hear this story over and over again. And so you go, oh, geez, uh, uh, you know, I always go, gee, that's not really a puzzle. It's, yeah. it's how they did it. And, you know, look, I have many clients, you know them. Uh, they are extraordinarily successful in Capture eight on core services, mortgage, title, escrow, property, casualty. 
you interview their top people. How do they get there? It's this intense focus that that is an important goal of ours to integrate this into our company's culture, have the right people, you know, the old Jim Collins, the right people on the right set, on the right seat with the bus going in the right direction. You just hear this over and over again. And I guess at the end of it all, I'm not surprised. You know, when we went out and talked to all these people and asked them for written responses as well, just like in years past, what, what didn't we hear? Well, it's our technology platform that did it, or it's our marketing platform that did it, or it's our brand name that caused it to happen. It's the quality of the leadership and where their attention is. Yeah. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised. The results have been similar to those that we've done in all the studies we've done in the past, going back almost 20 years. We keep getting the same answers. Yeah. And um, why don't you name the, you, you said one was Keller Williams. That's the Keller Williams Go Network. And what was the other firm that showed up on? You know, uh, I, I don't have it right in front of me. Well, I will tell you what it is. Um, (laughs) It is Remax Integrity Northwest. That's right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. My old friend, Matt Van Winkle. And he, again, there was some organic growth and there was some acquisition growth. But he also, he and his management team, because they're a Remax model, they don't tend, uh, they don't tend to keep low producers because they're by the nature of their model, somebody who's not producing much business, they're not going to really stick with Remax where there's kind of a fixed cost each month to belonging to their brokerage company. Yeah. So it doesn't, again, it doesn't surprise me that they also were not only a fast growing company and theirs was mainly through a couple of really good acquisitions, uh, but they also had some organic growth, but their, their attention to retaining only high quality people or highly productive people came through. Yeah. And that comes through on our, um, even the one-year studies that we do or the five-year studies that we do of the rankings, it tends to be um, for agent productivity, Remax is always um, has several offices in those top, you know, five to 10 slots. Yeah. they, They tend to actually dominate. If you look at top 10, top 50, top 100, Remax companies on per agent productivity are always overwhelmingly the mo- most frequent brand name. Yeah. But, you know, that brings up the issue, which we, we've talked about before. This report I just did, uh, you know, um, a, a large number, 40% to 50% of all the firms in growth in agents, growth in sides, and growth in volume were aligned with or affiliated with Keller Williams. Mm-hmm. There were brokers from almost every independent firms, Berkshire Hathaway, Century 21, ERA, Caldwell Banker, Sotheby's. They were all represented there. Virtually every major brand was represented. Better Homes and Gardens, Century, Mm -hmm. as I said, Century 21. Yeah. They were virtually all represented. You know, we come back to that thing we said in the past is looking at the data we're not saying that the brand isn't important. It is actually important, especially to top producers and, to, and teams from other work we've done. We know that factually. But the fact is, it's not the number one defining difference between top performing firms 
and those that aren't. Yeah. Keller Williams, as a national organization, as long as I've known them going back 20 years now, they've always had a, a, an intense focus on recruiting and training. Mm-hmm. The things they talk about most frequently uh, have always been recruiting and training their people. Yeah. Education. Yeah. And so that, that doesn't surprise me that they had a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. they actually have systems for doing these things, yeah. which is not necessarily true. Of most of their peers. Okay. A true system. Yeah. Well, and, um, you know, I found it interesting that when you compare the results of these top firms with NAR's data, that there really only were two categories that the top brokerages outperformed, um, you know, compared to NAR's data, and that's growth in closed transaction sides and growth in agent productivity. So, what is your analysis of that? Well, you know, we, we've had a, a, a phenomenal surge in realtor membership since we bounced from the last downturn. I think the trough was around 2009. It may have been 2010. Uh, they were at 980,000 or so realtors in the country. And as of the end of 2020, it was over a million five. Now, now that's as you can tell from our data. That's a it was almost a fifty percent growth in agents. The top brokerages only grew. Uh, the median growth was forty point five percent. As you point out, the, the the median of these top brokerage companies, seven hundred and thirty one of them, that they didn't grow as fast, right? But if you look at that productivity number, the ones they were recruiting are doing more business. Yeah. Because their transactions was 47.5% median growth. NAR's number was 41.1 over the same period. And their volume was up, uh, these top brokers were up 144.8% to NAR's closed volume was up 119.9. But the key number is that productivity number. The typical realtor basically had 10 years of flat or no productivity growth at all. But these 731 top firms, it was 7.2%. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Let's take a step back. That's over 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, further in the report, I think I made, uh, I think I made a mention of in doing my research, what was what I found interesting was there was a large percentage of uh, these top brokers that didn't grow either their agent count or transactions as fast as the NAR, if you will, the housing sales benchmark. The, uh, I mean, hundreds of them that didn't even grow as fast as NAR, which is indicated, of course, by our median numbers, right? Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting uh, that there, to me, that there were so many of the largest 731 companies, several hundred in all these categories, that mm-hmm. especially in growth in agents and growth in size, yeah, it did not even grow as fast as the national market. Yeah, I often say, you know, if you haven't grown your business as a brokerage company, especially in the last three or four years, you might want to think about a different career. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because. In, not in this report. It, it's it's kind of like we notice 
from what will be released soon, which is um, the rankings of the top individual agents and the rankings of the top teams. And I haven't studied it hugely intently. I just got, I just got them the other day. I think it was 20, 23,700. Yeah, eight, record. Yeah. Uh, record by 5,000 jumped yeah. in one year. Uh-huh. But when you look at those agents, like 95% of them are with a named brokerage company, either a large independent or a national affiliated company. It's kind of interesting that top performers in the industry are seeming to be their interest is aligning with a well-known or a brand name that's well-known in, in their local community or in the nation as a whole, which, of course, is driving brokerage consolidation and, and is partly responsible for this productivity increase. Yeah. More on that later, right? <laughs> yeah. More on that later. But it, it's just really interesting. When we look at the comments when people responded to us and you and I read there were, I don't know, two dozen or so. And it just, it's just reaffirming is the right word that the opportunity available to any brokerage company with any brand is to have a successful brokerage company that grows your volume, your number of agents and your productivity. If that is what you focus on. Yeah. I forget which management consultant said a long time ago. It's amazing that when you focus intently on something and make plans and have a plan and stick to a plan and execute the plan to grow, it's amazing how much it helps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, were there any other surprises that you encountered during your research? You know, I, I, you know, truly, I fully expected, you know, Keller Williams to be, you know, fairly dominant because as I said their whole focus is recruiting and training, et cetera, et cetera. They, they have, a, not only are they focused on it, but they have an accountability system. They have, they know how to measure it and they know how to hold people accountable to it. But it was really interesting to watch the other diversity among all the other brands, independents and other brands and the geographic dispersion. Mm-hmm. These companies were from all over the country. It didn't seem to. It it, it didn't seem to. There seemed to be no no focus. You know, and I know some people talk about. Well, I would expect. You know, Steve. Geez, I mean, if you are leading the way in recruiting agents, you would expect them to lead the way in transactions, right? And volume, correct? Right. So, right. The other surprise is, and this is one that will. Hopefully somebody will understand what I'm saying for all the money and all the time and all of the attention focused on technology and marketing and office size and makeup and design and websites and at all. It comes down to recruiting, which comes down to one-on-one relationship building with a good offer. It's important for people to understand what firms are not on here. Well, particularly the two big ones that are not on here, of course, are Compass and EXP, because we don't have data going back more than five or six years on either one of them. But clearly, if you put them in here that period of time, they would clearly be on here as well. And But 
you know, we haven't gone back yet to look at just them to see what's also what's going on. For instance, we know they've grown rapidly, number of agents. We know their volume has grown. We know their transactions have grown. We haven't looked at that specifically, but we know that'll be true. It's what's happening with their agent productivity. Well, and the other thing is there aren't, I don't think I saw a single flat fee other than Remax can kind of be considered a flat fee brokerage on this list. Now, even with the flat fee brokerages, they all have a little bit of a twist, a different twist. Some like Remax only only recruit experienced agents. Some, it doesn't matter who they are, they can join. Um, But you know, talk to me a little bit about that and the future of flat fee in your research or, you know, what you've, because they've really moved up the rankings quite a bit. Right. Well, so with the exception of HomeSmart and their large operation in Arizona, we again don't have data going back because they're really mostly new. I mean, whether we're talking the national guys like Realty One Group, HomeSmart, Fathom, I'm sure I'm leaving someone out, United Real Estate. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all relatively new. Um, one of them, we don't have data because they don't share their data with anybody, mm-hmm. which is fine. They're privately owned. They have the right to make that decision. So we don't have Realty One Group's data that, that goes back and is reliable for that period of time. So they're not in here. But there's no question if I broke down and looked at a five-year study and, and, and not just looked at the national guys, but looked at the, you know, the Samsons and um, benchmarks and virtual property and uh, Silver Creek and Idaho and equity in West Utah, USA. Yeah. West USA. If I looked at all of them as a group, and look just the last five years, we would see them gaining significant growth in the number of agents, number of transactions, and number of volume. They would be fast growers. We know that. Mm-hmm. We chose 10 years because we felt that was when the recovery really started and wanted to see what happened then. I mean, it may be later this year, next year, I'll take a closer look at just five years, and then that would bring in HomeSmart, United, Fathom, and these others, it was also bringing EXP and Compass and then see what that looks like there. Yeah. And probably something I will do because I haven't lost my curiosity for what's actually going on. Yeah. So what's the surprise? There was not really a surprise. Yeah. It's It's still the same thing it was 20 years ago when we did this work the first time. Let's take a quick break to talk about the real trends gathering of eagles. Hi, real estate leaders. It's Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends. And I wanted to take a moment to highlight uh, two upcoming events that we have running back to back. The first one is on June 26th. It's our Deal Makers Conference. And this is not just for real estate leaders who are interested in buying or selling a company. This really speaks to profitability and how to um, build a brokerage with value. 
We'll also talk about some trends in the merger and acquisition and brokerage valuation business. Um, Steve Murray is hosting the event, and we've got some great speakers for you. Immediately following that is our annual gathering of Eagles, which will run on June 27th through the 28th. This event is for real estate leaders, association executives, um, your entire C-suite, as well as team leaders. And we've got some some great speakers and topics. We're recovering everything from mortgages entry into real estate to recruiting and evolving business models, highlighting some of the different business models that are, are your competitors today. We've also are looking into improving capture rates of core services, talking about managing relationships with top teams, and we've got more. In addition, Larry Kendall is our keynote speaker. And in addition to his keynote, he's doing a special ninja workshop. It's a limited um, audience, so it's first come, first serve. So we'd love to have you register for the Gathering of Eagles. Again, it's at the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs, June 26th through the 29th. The 26th is our Dealmakers Conference. It's a separate registration from the Gathering of Eagles. You can find out everything by going to realtrends.com and clicking on the events tab. Thanks so much and hope to see you there. And now back to the podcast. So let's go into that in a little more detail um, to, to offer brokers who are trying to grow in, in all of these categories, some actionable advice. So what would you recommend they do um, to be on this list? As a as a top fifty company in in any of those categories or or several or all of those categories, is your focus growing your brokerage company? Not just wishing it, hoping it, talking about it. Is it truly in your DNA and your passion to grow your brokerage company? That's number one. If it's not, then don't let's stop listening. Right? Doesn't matter. You may you may be at a time when you're your business is solid, you like your business, and you've got core services, and it's very profitable, and you're taking your cash flows and you're investing in real estate and stocks and bonds, great, that's fine. But you first have to decide, I actually, as the number one priority for my company is to grow this brokerage company. If that's the case, then building a plan, including your team, I mean, it may be only two people, maybe you've got 30 managers, Mm-hmm. is you actually have a plan for exactly what they're going to do day by day by day, week by week, and, and we're going to, how much time are they going to spend? What are the literal tactics they're going to use? And I won't go into that level of detail here, but you know we've done that. We've done this research for years. It's, it's having a plan. How many appointments a week? How many in-person discussions? Who is my target? Who am I trying to get? Who do I want? How how am I doing it myself or as a team? And, you know, the most important thing that I've learned in working with clients, and, and I've proven it numerous times, the leader and their involvement in the recruiting process personally is hugely important. Hugely important. 
So really, it's a matter of saying, I want to grow. And then you lay out a plan. And part of that plan is doing your homework to find out, well, which agents are out there engaging your agents of your existing companies, since that's still, I mean, many of these people said our agents are still some of our best referral uh, sources for agents that they would like to see come at the company. Yeah. It's, and I've, I've noticed that in the Game Changers, which is a five-year look at yeah. um, transaction side, closed transaction side percentage, the ones that grew um, organically, a huge portion of that came from agent referrals. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, so it's all those pieces, but it starts with a leader who says, I'm going to put 30% of my time into either personally recruiting or managing the recruiting effort. And here's the key and hold people accountable, including myself for those results, making changes along the way. Now that can be painful. Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I both know from our prior work and our just our interaction with broker owners is they typically don't hold their own sales managers who have recruiting as part of their job duty they don't actually hold them accountable to an actual result. No, that's true. And a couple of, you know, and some recent um, brokerage evaluations, they, you know, I remember one specifically where they said, well, we, we were making them call, you know, let's say five people a day and they weren't doing that. So we decided to do two people a day and they weren't doing that. So now we're down to, you have to make one call a day. <laughs> so, yeah. so they and, just and- changed the goalposts rather than, Hold them accountable right. for what they are doing. And I've done work with myself doing on-site assessments. And I recall one years ago, and and uh, you know, I was meeting. There was a five. I think there were five offices in this client, and I was meeting with the managers. And one of the points I made was, okay, so you know, do you know each of the five managers? Do you know eight to ten? good agents in your markets that you would like to have with your company? Yes. Said, do you have their names, addresses, cell phone numbers, emails? Yeah, pretty much. Good. When was the last time you talked to them? And it was kind of like dead silence. I said, okay, here's our plan. In the next, I said like 30 to 45 days, let's set a goal that you will meet with them coffee, lunch, breakfast, dinner, glass of wine, whatever your preference is. Your goal is just not to recruit them, just meet with them to see how they're doing. And like you said, I mean, what they, well, how, 45 days? I mean, well, we could probably get it done in 90 days. And you just sitting there and you're going, there's not really a prayer that we're going to get these people motivated to do the basic things it takes to recruit good people. I mean, how do you motivate them? There have to be, you know, I'm sure that I'm saying carrots and sticks, right? You have to offer incentives to get them to amend their behaviors and where they're allocating their time. But, you know, I think it's very clear that you look at these successful companies. I know many of these people, there's a lot of stick going on too. If you want to keep your job and you want to make a bonus, you've got to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, but, you know, look, we're an industry that likes carrots more. 
And I get that. And that's good. And you start there. But, and th therein lies the rub, which is <clears throat> part of the challenge of our industry is the lack of, A, really high caliber managers at any level. And the second corollary is how are we developing future managers? I mean, I think I personally not only know of three or four brokers that have an internal leadership development program. And, and the ones I do know have had it for years and they happen to be really strong performing companies because then the, the leaders of the company aren't hostage to managers who either are in it, unable or refuse to get engaged in recruiting and development activities. Well, and, um, you know, just in, in looking at these lists in general, you know, obviously you have to have some sort of, you know, while they don't mention technology or they don't mention marketing, you do have to have some of these services to attract the agents in the first place. But you also, um, you know, I mean, so those are important, even though they weren't mentioned. Look, here's the bottom line. <laughs> Those are table stakes. Yeah. Right? Everybody's got tech. Yeah. Or at least they say they do. And and the, the it's no secret in our industry that it hasn't really, there's there, it hasn't shown up in the productivity numbers that firms that have more technology or less technology that are on their on this productivity ranking that it showed up there. Right. There wasn't there wasn't one of them that had, oh, look, five of the top 10 used ABC CRM. Mm -hmm. And what what most brokers tell us all the time, it doesn't matter which brand, <clears throat> their adoption rates are, if they're lucky, it's in the 20 to 30 yeah. percent. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, so, yeah, you, you're right. You're correct. You've got to you've got to have something to offer. But, you know, we noticed one of the fast-growing firms on this list is an independent broker. They were on one of the top 50, and they don't even, they don't even have a tech department. Yeah. They, they don't have a, a company platform. Yeah. But they're really good at recruiting and training. Well, and, and the key, too, is um, for all of these firms is their focus isn't just on recruiting. It's also on retention. Um, yeah. And that requires the relationships and the one-on-one -on -one and the culture of the company um, to be solid as well. Right. You're exactly right, Tracy. And I'm not saying no technology. I wouldn't advise that to people. I'm just saying you do. Please understand that that's table stakes. It's mm -hmm. probably beneficial to have some technology offering. Just don't spend 40% of your time working on it. And, and once you get it all set every two years, getting talked into the newest, greatest transaction management or CRM or app or something to be cool, hip and everything, because it, it's an enormous, enormous requirement of time and attention of management to do those things. We just don't see the results in the actual numbers. Yeah. We just don't see them. And, um, so when I say table stakes, that means that, you know, you, you need to have something to offer, hopefully something good. But my gosh, there's, you know, this this firm I'm kidding about. They said, well, you I mean, agents can get CRM from anywhere. 
and then get transaction managed through the MLS and through their board of realtors is just as good as anything I can get. And <clears throat> which is their position, but, you know, and I've talked to some of the national guys recently and their whole attitude is I'm spending eight to nine figure sums of money, tens of millions to hundreds of millions of dollars building out this incredible platform. They're not seeing better adoption rates than their predecessors and peers. And they're not seeing any bounce in productivity. And so one wonders when you go, wait a minute. I mean, are we really going to keep pouring this kind of money into increasing the platform so we can collect data? I mean, hey, all kidding aside, we collect broker data and agent and team data from the national companies and the large regionals. And they all, one form or another, talking about collecting data and analyzing data. And I'm going, Far too many of them can't even get their agents' names and team names spelled right or have their correct email addresses and addresses. You know, it reminds me of the CEO of McDonald's 30 years ago. Somebody talked about diversification, and his response in a Fortune article was, you know, we have 18,000 restaurants in the McDonald's system. When we got them all clean at the same time, we'll talk about diversification. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he understood, look, fundamentally, we got to have a great product and great restaurant. They got to be clean and they got to be welcoming. And we got to we got to produce a good product. And for brokerage companies, recruiting and retention, Tracy, you're correct. It's about relationships. And it's about and on all those agents. I know factually there are all kinds of top agents and teams with top brokerage companies that don't use the company's technology. They use their own. Yeah. But they love where they are because they feel respected. They feel supported. They've got a fair compensation program. At least they think it is. I mean, you and I both know that. And so does everybody listening to this. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? The challenge is, is that is a lot of emotional energy. It's a, it requires incredible amounts of personal and emotional energy by the leaders of the company to build relationships, recruit and retrain, retain, and then get your heart broken. Yeah. When somebody you thought you had a great relationship with leaves because, oh, they have a better this or a better that, or they paid me a little bit more. And it, it it's harmful to human beings to have that happen when you've poured yourself into this. But it's the nature of our business, certainly. And I'm certain it's the nature of everybody's business. I think the funniest thing I'm encountering now is working with top teams. They have the same challenge now. They're, they're agents who are get, making hundreds of thousands of dollars on a, on a low split because the team is providing everything for them, and they want a higher split. And, and these owners of teams call me and discuss what to do about it and the frustration. The fun part is I always say, welcome to being a broker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. You you hired them new, you trained them, you paid for all the technology marketing, you paid all for the lead generation. They got live buyers and sellers. All they had to do was service them. They had somebody handling the transaction, do all the marketing, and, and, and they leave you because, well, I can get a higher split over there. Yeah, but you won't get any of this support. And they go, yeah, but I can probably still do well. 
Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast for us to talk about the evolution sure. of teams and, and what's happening right now in the in the team arena. Oh we'll, we'll schedule that because I think that would be really interesting to talk about um, because there are just so many of these new platforms and virtual teams and, and just so much going on to talk about. So, yeah, we'll Indeed, schedule that. But, but this study and, you know, people, if they want to go if they subscribe to HW Plus, mm-hmm. they can get copies of these lists and these rankings. We're going to publish them. Yes. Uh, uh, but if, and you want to read the write up and what our findings were. But here's here's my you know my final word. What did I find out? Nothing's really changed in in my forty five year career in this industry. Thirty five years. Uh, building real trends and associated with real trends, and now with HW Media, it's still about men and women, leaders of companies, setting up a means by telling their story, inviting people onto their journey, and building a brokerage company by building relationships with good agents and good teams, and and working. And that's how you build a great brokerage company: is working on recruiting and retaining and developing good people. Yeah. And scaling that because it's easy to do yeah. when it's small. It's harder to do as you get bigger. You can't, you know. Yeah. So. yeah well, but then, you know, it's, um, I mean, what, what have I said for years? This isn't a complicated business. You got to know how to recruit talent. You have to develop the talent that's retaining. And then you have to spend less money than you have coming in. Yep. And, you know, I've had audiences kind of chuckle about it. I said, it's actually not a joke. That's all there is to it. Executing that is not easy. Right. Right. <laughs> it's not. And um, but it was fun doing it, looking at it. And, you know, and, and I, w- I was surprised by certain companies. You know, I wouldn't have expected to see them here. Um, but, you know, I mean, firms from what well, we got, you know, Wisconsin. And I'm looking at one of the lists now. I mean, mm-hmm. we got, you know, I, th- I, don't, I didn't look to see how many states are represented, but they're. Um, I think in the top 50, there were 30 something states represented. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm looking over here now. There's, here's one, North Dakota and North Carolina, Missouri, Minnesota, Mississippi. Yep. Um, And there's Florida and there's Georgia and Tennessee and Oregon, Washington and New York. There's even, there's even Wisconsin, Wisconsin and yeah, they're all over. Yeah. And that's on the, just the top, the four different rankings of the top 50. If you look at all 731 that you looked at, we, that covers all 50 States. So. So that um, it's still a wonderful business and there still are a lot of opportunities for someone who wants to start or grow a brokerage company. Yeah. But you have to understand, yes, it's good to have technology marketing services that may be appealing but just by having it is not going to cause you to grow. Yeah. Well, Steve, thanks so much for joining the Real Trending Podcast. As always, your insights are, are interesting. And because of your knowledge of the industry, they mean so much more. So thank you. I appreciate it. Well, Tracy, it's great to be on with you today. And you're doing great work. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.